Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! The delivery moose, Jeff Safford, making a little cameo appearance as we get started here uh, on Nuanas Now. What's up, everybody? Hope you have a great day. Sun is shining in Missoula. The line to get your car washed across the street here at Dazzler's Car Wash is around the block. Maybe, just maybe, spring is on the way. At the very least, we got the Masters to watch. So that's what we'll start with today. Welcome in. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here in Missoula, Montana. Missoula Broadcasting Company is our home, and Missoula Broadcasting Company has been locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and happy to say still. The Masters is underway. We've had some sizzling scores so far. How about Brooks Kepka? I have a big, I have such a, a, a uh, I'm stuck on Brooks Kepka. Because I have a lot of thoughts broadly about the existence of the Live Tour, um, what it is, what it represents, some of the stuff that maybe the owners are trying to uh, promote and or wash over. But Brooks Kepka is a guy that I've always loved, and he shot a first-round 65. And John Rahm, how about this? A four-putt on one and then goes eight under the rest of the day to also come in at a 65. So we'll talk Masters here. Uh, off the top, and we'll keep giving you scores uh, as the tournament progresses and as the show progresses. We also have a variety of hoops news uh, here to get the show started. Everything from where former Grizz Josh Bannon might land to the uh, continuing revolution of the transfer portal to some coaching movement at the high school and college ranks uh, and a whole bunch more. 
there's a flight right now that's a, that just landed in Logan, Utah, from Bozeman, Montana. Who's on it? I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of comings and goings when it comes to all the openings at Utah State and the way that that might matriculate its way into Montana. Uh, so we'll give you an update on all that stuff as well. One of the biggest talking points in sports right now has been the conversation about a variety of different elements of Sunday's NCAA Division I Women's National Championship game. LSU drilled Iowa, ending sort of the storybook run of Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Angel Reese has become uh, both a superstar and a villain at the exact same time. It's a conversation with many, many layers. Andrew Houghton has some uh, additional thoughts after we've had a couple days to sit and think and talk about this. So we'll talk about that here in hour number one. We'll also talk about the same subject with our good friend Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, in hour number two. We also have a, the uh, return of one of our favorite segments, our Treasure State's best when it comes to track and field. Paul's Pancake Parlor, uh, very happy uh, again to have them on board supporting us and advertising with us here to give you some of the best high school track and field marks uh, from around the state of Montana. So we got our first list of our Treasure State's best coming up here uh, to end up hour number one. Carolyn, the chicken doesn't know sports on hour number two uh, to get things started. And then we also will have our Big Sky Spotlight for the week. And we'll have several of the new coaches from around Big Sky Conference football on the show uh, sometime this week, including the new head guy at Weber State. His name is Mickey Mental. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator there a, a year ago, and uh, he will join us here about 5.30 to talk about taking over uh, for what was one of the great runs in the history uh, of Weber State football. Jay Hill was unbelievable there at Weber State, did a phenomenal job of, I wouldn't even say rebuilding, but building it to heights unseen there uh, at Weber. They had never been a, uh, they'd never been on a playoff run at Weber State, and they went on multiple playoff runs deep into the playoffs under Jay Hill, multiple Big Sky Conference championships. I think Jay Hill, unquestionably the best coach in Weber State history. So Mickey Mental has the tall task of taking over for Jay Hill. So we'll catch up with Weber State's new head coach here uh, as part of our Big Sky Spotlight a little later on here on your Thursday. It's your show, Outlook. I'm Coulter Nuanas. This is Nuanas Now. You can always stream the show on the ESPN MT app or on uh, the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Keep those texts coming in. Our bracket challenge uh, is obviously over since the men's national championship game was played on Monday. But we are still trying to track down all the winners and then trying to uh, make all the prize packages with all of our awesome uh, rewards for you from everybody from around the city of Missoula and the state of Montana. Appreciate Katie O'Keefe's for their awesome support of our bracket challenge this year and providing an awesome $500 cash prize. Uh, thanks to Zootown Sports Cards for their awesome memorabilia boxes that they threw in uh, to the giveaway as well. And thanks to UpTop Clothing, too, for providing over $500 worth of merchandise. Also, thanks to Paradise Falls, Complex Brewing, uh, and all the other people that were involved in our Bracket Challenge giveaway. So keep the texts coming in, though. Tell us who you are. We have a list of all the usernames on ESPN that are among the top placers. But we need you to text us at 406-888-1029 and tell us, hey, this is this username, this is my phone number, here's my name, and then we'll figure out a way to get you uh, your prizes. So as soon as we have everybody's names in, uh, we'll divvy everything up and get them on out the door to you. So keep those uh, texts coming in. The Masters as wide open as ever. And uh, I think that there's 
so many great players right now in the game of golf. There's so many guys from so many different places. I think that that the uh, the top level of professional golf, whether it's the PGA or the Live, has become uh, as international of a sport as any sport besides probably the NBA and probably uh, the highest level of, of professional soccer uh, in Europe. Uh, other than that, the Masters, or excuse me, the uh, the the professional the ranks of professional golf is absolutely as international as any sport there is going right now, and you can see that uh, with the leaderboard right now. I mean. Guys from all over the world uh, dotting the top of the leaderboard. But here's here's where we stand right now. Here's your top ten. Victor Hovland, John Rahm, and Brooks Kepka each fire opening round 65s. That's seven under par for those keep it track. That is sizzling right out the gates at the Masters. Cameron Young uh, and Jason Day were each five under 67s today. Sam Burns also uh, right now at five under. He still has three holes to play uh, he is certainly an up-and-comer in this tournament and a guy that a lot of people were picking in their master's pools, a lot of people were putting some coin on at the Sportsbet Montana machine. Uh, so that's what it looks like for the, the top six. Then Shane Lowry, uh, he, Xander Shaffley, Adam Scott, Gary Woodland, Scotty Scheffler, and Sam Bennett are all tied at minus four. Uh, Lowry, uh, Xander Shaffley, Adam Scott, and Woodland are all in at 68 and uh, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Bennett are each uh, with four under with two holes remaining. Other uh, prominent names that maybe you had in your master's pool that uh, are in or about in, Colin Morikawa, he's at minus three, uh, and he's coming up 18 right now. Keegan Bradley's at minus two, as is Justin Thomas. Matthew Fitzpatrick also uh, at minus two, and he's on the 17th hole. Tony Finau is two under, and uh, he's on hole 14. Freddie Couples, how about the old school guy? He shoots under par, 71. That's pretty good for him. Patrick Cantley also in at 71, as is Hideki Matsuyama. Phil Mickelson uh, in it at uh, 71 as well, so one under for Phil. Jordan Spieth is on 14, and he's one under. Max Homa is on 16, and he's at one under as well. Dustin Johnson, uh, he's even par for the day. He's coming up 17. Rory McIlroy is back to even. Rory, Rory had an awful start. He was three over on the first eight, and then started rallying back a little bit. He's stopped the bleeding. He's at even on 14. So can Rory make a charge here these last couple holes? Uh, He was one of the two betting favorites in this tournament. So um, we'll see if Rory can can finish out day one strong. Uh, Sergio Garcia at plus 274. And same thing with Tiger Woods as well. Uh, Mito Pereira, who is one of the top first-time participants in this tournament he is also in at 74 the other big news of the day Kevin Na and Will Zalatoris both guys that were uh, expected to compete and Zalatoris has absolutely been really competitive in majors these last couple years he finished in the top 10 in three out of the last four majors both Kevin Na though and Will Zalatoris withdrew from um, the tournament Zalatoris withdrew before the round started Kevin Na shot a four over 40 (laughs) And was over it at the turn. He he said he's he's ill, and maybe that contributed to the uh, the poor showing. But uh, either way, we've been there before, buddy. You, you play the front nine, it didn't go so hot. I'm good. I got better stuff to do. Uh, interesting dynamic, though, when you're talking about one of the biggest golf tournaments uh, in the world. Nuanas Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. More Masters updates coming up. Uh, one of the big pieces of news from the last couple weeks 
Josh Bannon, a all-big sky power forward for the Montana men's basketball team, he decided to forego his final year with the Grizz and declare uh, his professional dreams a reality. Well, he's now officially a pro. He signed a... uh, what sources say is a very lucrative contract with the Brisbane Bullets, but he is headed back to Australia. Uh, that we had previously reported, but we didn't know the specifics of where he was going. Now officially official, uh, Bannon signs with the Brisbane Bullets. So that's uh, your news of the day for Grizz Hoops. Also some interesting news in the world of high school sports coming out of the Magic City. Yesterday, Charlie Johnson joined us, the former now Billings West head girls basketball coach, and Johnson mentioned uh, yesterday that he was going to take over as the athletic director at Billings West High School. Well, that became official today, but not the only uh, piece of movement uh, in Billings. As of today now, actually, all three of the girls' basketball jobs uh, in Billings are open. Billings West will be looking for a replacement for Johnson. Billing Skyview will be looking for a replacement for Brett Montague. Montague was uh, the head coach of the team for the last several years, led Skyview to their first ever state championship last year, and then a third-place finish this year. Uh, so certainly successful there. I'm not sure what Montague is going to move on to do, but uh, he did a great job. I mean, won the first t- state title in school history. Uh, can't do much better than that. And then the other piece of news today out of Billings, that Connor Silliker has also resigned as the head coach of uh, Billings Senior. Uh, he is expected to take over a uh, the soon-to-be-vacant activities coordinator position at Billings Senior as well. So uh, guys just moving on from coaching, getting into administration. Um, that's just kind of the way it goes these days. So uh, just interesting to see who lands those jobs. Obviously, West is the returning state champs, and they return uh, Courtney Grossman and Sidney Pierce, a couple first-team All-State selections as juniors. Uh, West is going to be loaded next year for sure. Skyview is absolutely loaded. They're led by Brianna Williams, who's one of the top Division I prospects this state has seen in a decade plus. Probably the top prospect Montana's seen since Jocelyn Tinkle was roaming the halls at Missoula Big Sky. So Skyview will certainly be a popular job as well. And seniors had good teams. They've had competitive teams over the years as well. So these are all going to be coveted jobs. And uh, for sure, West and Skyview whoever takes over as the head coach there, uh, is going to get really, really talented rosters. On the college front, uh, the transfer portal continues to churn. Yesterday, uh, we sort of glossed over this on the show yesterday and uh, completely just an oversight on my part, but Leah Beattie, who was the top reserve in the Big Sky Conference in women's basketball, she was a junior at Montana State. Now she is into the portal. So um, Beattie's loss, the latest... In a string of departures, Darian White, Montana State's uh, multiple-time All-Big Sky point guard. Cola Badbear, their All-Big Sky post. And Madison Jackson, who was a contributor as well for four years there at Montana State, they all announced the end of their time as Bobcats during the same week. Uh, Then shortly after, Grace Beasley, who was Darian White's backup at point guard, she also entered the NCAA transfer portal. And then Beattie is, is the uh, the fifth now departure from Montana State and the first who was not a senior. Beasley has an extra year left, even though she was a senior last year. So she's going to go play somewhere else. Jackson and Bad Bear announced they're retiring. And then Darian White, Darian White, she is using her COVID year to go play somewhere else as well. But uh, interesting to see. I mean, we have been so complimentary, Andrew, uh, Andrew Houghton, uh, here on Nuanas Now. 
we've been so complimentary of Montana State for a variety of reasons over the last couple of years. And it's impossible to deny just how successful they've been. I mean, 84 wins for that senior class, multiple Big Sky regular season championships, a trip to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've been among the cream of the crop in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, but now, I'm not even asking you the why. I'm just asking you the the what in terms of the future because uh, it's, a, it's a stark rebuild to try to replace all of that talent, uh, no matter who you are, even if you are the longest-tenured coach in the league like Trisha Binford. No doubt, and what's been the hallmark of these Trisha Binford teams over the last couple of years has been the continuity of being able to bring players back and slot them around, uh, primarily around Darian White, who was the, the building block piece of that team. I don't know what it looks like next year for the for the Bobcats. I mean, you'd have to think that they'll be busy in the transfer portal themselves. Uh, they have some good young talent on that team. For sure. And they still have that. I mean, that's the other thing that Bedford deserves credit for. You're losing multiple all big sky caliber players, yet you still have a couple other ones in the program to maybe even sort of tread water with. I mean, Lexi Dean could be an all big sky player if she takes the next step. No doubt. If she stays. Sure. Which you have to say now. Uh, she could be, uh, you know, I think they like. Mara Deekstra, the young big. Yep. Uh, Dylan Phillip looked good the, the couple minutes that I saw her play yep. in Missoula. You just have to trust, I think, in Trisha Binford and that staff's ability to develop players. Well, and also just identify ones that can play right away, too. I mean, Trisha Binford's had multiple... That, that's sort of the formula. She gets a young lady who she thinks should be her point guard from day one right. and then starts her for four years. I mean, right. that happened with Lindsey Stockton. That happened with Hannah Condell. That happened with Erica Perry. I mean, Darian Weiss is the next in a step of, of that formula, and it's worked great for Trisha Binford. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that if you are, like I said, if you're a Montana State fan looking for optimism, just, just trusting in that formula and trusting in her evaluation and, and development skills. And it's been something that they, I mean, that, that team has been able to to take players and make them better consistently, right? And that's a huge thing when you're talking about replacing players. But, I mean, the steps, Darian White was pretty ready-made when she stepped on the court. But the steps forward that a player like Cola Bad Bear took when she got into that program, they're really good yeah. at individual development. They've also been really good at re-fortifying the ranks through the transfer portal, too. I mean, Fallon Freezy was the big guy MVP after transferring from uh, North Dakota. I mean, they've had multiple top notch transfers in recent years as well. So um, I, I don't know. I guess last point on this, it's funny because we sort of get numb to this since it's just our, our, our daily lives of reporting on it and talking about it. But also I, I can totally understand people that are following the big sky or people that are following Montana state women's basketball thinking what's going on in Bozeman. But I also think that this is just the extension of a trend. Sometimes when you have a great cohesive team, that tries to make a run at it for a couple years and then multiple parts leave, it's not really, nobody's to blame for not wanting to run it back when you don't have the same core of people. We saw this exact same thing happen at Idaho State. Yeah, that's right. And it's not because anything's going wrong in the program or or something big and and bad happened. People just want to move on different directions. And and we see that. I mean, Darian White is chasing professional dreams, so that's why she's moving on. You know, you don't know why somebody like Leah Beatty or or Grace Beasley is into it, but Cola Bad Bear and Madison Jackson sort of just decided their careers are over. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's not... 
you know, it's not because they don't want to be in Bozeman anymore, playing on that team anymore. It's just they're either moving on or, or they're going to get a better, bigger opportunity somewhere else. I mean, Cole Badbear said it in her retirement post. She's like, yeah, my body's just had enough, and uh, I'm satisfied with my career, and she should be. She had a great career. Massa Jackson, she's getting married. I, just different steps uh, in their lives, so it totally makes sense. Nuanas now ESPN Radio. On the Montana State note, big news out of Bobcat Country yesterday, Jackson Grant a former Washington Gatorade Player of the Year, and a former McDonald's All-American commits to Montana State. He has spent the last two years at Washington, struggled to find his way on the court, but he's a six foot ten forward who can stretch the floor, step outside and shoot it a little bit. And uh, I was really racking my brain, man. I don't think Montana State's ever had a McDonald's All-American commit to the team. I don't. I really am sure that Montana never has. So this might be the first McDonald's All-American men's player to ever commit to an in-state school. It's pretty crazy. I think it's a statement of intent for something that we've been talking about. No Coulter. question, we, right? We haven't been able to get away from talking about Danny Sprinkle. Is he going to stay? And this guy's not going to commit to Montana State if Sprinkle's going, right? That's right. That, I mean, that's what I assume. Right. And we talk about, you know, the gamble of him throwing all his chips on the table here. Well, that's how you do it if you're going to try to stay stay and make one more run with the core that he has got. You bring in a guy like that who can certainly complement the pieces that they already have on the roster. There's uh, rumors that there's some other transfers, at least in the mix at Montana State, too. So we will uh, update you on that as well. <laughs> there's this, uh, this, this is journalism, and it's reporting for sure. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's certainly reporting, but it always makes me feel weird. But it's it's a tool to use for sure. There's a website in which, uh, because, I mean, flights are public information. The comings and goings of flights. I mean, everybody that's flown in an airport or you know, gone on the airport website or whatever, you can see the departures, the coming ins. Well, there's a website that specifically tracks pli- private planes. And there's a proliferation of private planes right now coming and going from Bozeman, Montana. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But... Uh, by using this flight tracker website, somebody on a message board was able to identify that there was a flight, a private flight, going from Bozeman, Montana to Logan, Utah today. Why is that significant? Well, we've talked about Danny Sprinkle, the outstanding men's basketball coach at Montana, or at Montana State, excuse me, uh, and his continuation in popping into lists for various head coaching openings. And the the name, or the, the school, excuse me, the program in which Sprinkle has been heavily mentioned in recently, all week long, has been Utah State. Ryan Odom, the former Utah State head coach, moved on. Where did he go, by the way? I, 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 did, I, I saw the stuff about Odom leaving, but I can't remember where I he actually think landed. I to VCU, but VCU, I'll Google that, it that, real that's quick. That's right. I was thinking Virginia Tech, but then that didn't sound right. VCU, I think that's right. Regardless, Ryan Odom was good at Utah State, moves on uh, to take a new job. So that is open, but Utah State also has a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, just in terms of the hierarchy of the university. Their president retired recently. They have an opening at AD. Jerry Bovey, who is formerly Weber State's athletic director, he is the associate, or excuse me, the interim AD right now. He also, I believe, was one of the associate ADs there uh, under the former athletic director. But Bovey is the interim guy for right now. They're sort of stuck in this AD search because they don't have a president. And so there's all these different logistical things going on with also then a men's basketball job uh, open. Interesting, because there's been speculation that Sprinkle might land at Utah State, and with the flight from Bozeman to Logan, okay, there's, uh, you know, or there's smoke, there's fire, but that's not necessarily the case here. 
A couple reporters from the Bozeman market have reported that Danny Sprinkle, they, they can confirm that Danny Sprinkle is not on that flight. So then, then that harkens the question of who is. There's a lot of reasons you could fly to and from a lot of different places. So it might not have anything to do with athletics, but I thought it was just an interesting uh, coincidence. But um, I, we've been talking, I've been talking to people about this, you know, sources close to the situation, as they would say. And it's uh, all, all my sources have said that all signs are pointing to Danny Sprinkle wanting to return at Montana State and run it back with the team he's got. If that's the case, and they hold on to Raekwon Battle and Great Osobar and Darius Brown, they've now added Jackson Grant, a McDonald's All-American. They have an offer out to a young man who was a starter at Drake last year. They have a couple other Pac-12 potential transfers in the mix. If they were to somehow get all those guys, all of a sudden, you have a brand new scenario at Montana State, and all of a sudden, Danny Sprinkle, uh, already a favorite son uh, at his alma mater, now you're talking about maybe even really making history and really making noise. If you would have told me that anybody would come into Montana State and make a run at three straight Big Sky titles, I would have told you there's no way. You're crazy. That's not happening. And now if if all the dominoes fall correctly and, and all of what we uh, think and believe to be true is true, Montana State's going to have a chance to be really, really good next year, even better than they've been these last couple years. And if they can handle the pressure and they can make another run and all of a sudden you, you go and you make some noise in the NCAA tournament, uh, now all of a sudden Danny Sprinkle, he's going to be in the mix for even bigger jobs than Utah State, although Utah State is a pretty big-time job. Last note here, and a lot of this news pouring out of Bozeman right now. There hasn't been a lot of news at Montana recently. And when you're talking about players leaving and coaches potentially leaving or coaches being in the mix for other things. Uh, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world for the Grizz. That's actually probably a, an indication of st- stability at this exact moment. Uh, but the last piece of news coming out of Bozeman is Jimmy Beal, the running backs coach there for the last several years. He is headed to San Diego State. So uh, Jimmy's done a great job. He's coached uh, around this uh, area for a long time. He coached at NAU for a long time. Coached at South Dakota State and then landed at Montana State. Uh, he's a, he was a fun guy to get to know. Always loved when I ran into him. Ton of energy, and uh, he's a great running backs coach. So I, I'm not surprised that he's made his way to the Mountain West. So congratulations to to him, and uh, hopefully that's uh, a move that pays off uh, for him. But that's two now coaches from MSU football uh, moving on to the Mountain West. Brian Armstrong previously uh, moved on, took a job as the offensive line coach at Fresno State. So there's a, a variety of news briefs from around the state of Montana. Andrew has some stuff to say about the women's Division One National Championship game from this last weekend. We'll fill in the blanks on a continuing conversation. That's next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences. 
in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. It's the one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. A symbolic song because we're trying to figure out who all you are. Welcome back to Oz Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. March Madness is in the books. We have a bunch of prizes for you. So what we need you to do, if you enter our bracket challenge and you're listening to me right now, go to ESPN MT 2023 Bracket Challenge. And check out the leaderboard. I'm sure almost all of you have been tracking it. You know where you're at. But if you're in that top six, you need to text us at 406-888-1029 and say, hey, this is me. Uh, Anybody in that top, I think there's five uh, top entries and there's a tie there. But if you're in there, just text us, 406-888-1029. Tell us who you are, what your username is, and then uh, we will uh, make sure that we get a hold of you and let you know the procedure uh, to get your prizes. The Masters first round is underway. It's a beautiful day in Augusta. I got it up on the Masters app. Clear skies. It's sunny. No elements at all. And uh, a lot of guys that are attacking this golf course right now. uh, The leaders, there's three leaders. They all shot 65s today. That's seven under. And you have a total of 37 people under par including Rory McIlroy. He just moved under par. He got off to a horrid start the first six or seven holes, and uh, he was as as bad as, I think, two or maybe even three over. And then he's rallied back, and now he's under par, uh, one under through 16. So McIlroy making a little bit of a charge here on the back nine of day one. Sky Scheffler, the defending champ, he is four under through 17, so he's coming up 18 and uh, right now, though, the, the leaders in the clubhouse are Victor Hovland, John Rahm, and Brooks Kepka. Rahm four-putted on one. <laughs> I, I don't even have a justifiable reason for it other than Ryan Tutel used to always chide me and try to uh, get me into arguments about John Rahm. I've never really liked John Rahm. There's no reason for that. It's, I just think that he's sort of a perfect villain in the world of golf. And Tutel loves him because he wears flannel pants just like Ryan does. And uh, so, you know, when you do a radio show with somebody for three-plus three, three plus years, you just sometimes you just learn to become a contrarian to them only because it makes your, your life and your show more entertaining. So I just don't really like Rom. So when Rom four-putted on one, I was trolling our group text in our master's pool, making fun of uh, everybody that took him. Of course, then that backfired on me, and Rom went out and made nine birdies to come in at seven under after his horrific start. So Rom's there at seven under with Victor Hovland, and then Brooks Kepka. Talk about villain, a guy who was the darling of the sport and then fell off a little bit in terms of his performance and then made the flip to the live tour and fell rapidly out of the top 100. Well, Kepka came in ready to rip, and he's seven under as well in at 65. So those are your... Uh, 
Masters leaders will keep on uh, giving you updates on the show. Andrew, I know you had some stuff to say about the uh, the women's championship game. We got to it a little bit on Monday, but uh, hit me with it. So here's the scenario for those that haven't been paying attention. Great um, Final Four this year for women's basketball. The Final Four began with a bunch of rich storylines. I think probably the the omnipresent storyline of women's basketball the last couple of years has been sort of the diversification of the powers that be. Forever it was UConn and Stanford and Tennessee and everybody else. Well, then South Carolina rose as a power. Notre Dame's been in there. Baylor's been in there, whatever. But there's been I – mean, UConn was so unbelievably dominant, and there was this question of if it was good for the sport or not. I think we can say now unequivocally that was awesome for the sport because it made everybody else get better. And now all of a sudden you got a, an Elite Eight without the Huskies in it, and I think that that just shows you how many other programs and other schools have invested in women's basketball. So the, the, the Final Four and a bunch of storylines coming in. How does Kim Mulkey do with a basically brand-new team at LSU, nine transfers, and she's such a proven coach already from her time at Baylor? Can South Carolina keep the run going? They're the defending national champs, and they come into the Final Four undefeated. How about this new darling, Caitlin Clark, who's taken the storm by or the sport by storm and uh, became this unbelievable prolific scorer, and then you got Virginia Tech, sort of a new power uh, in the mix as well. And uh, then it all played out with awesome results. The Iowa-South Carolina game in the Final Four was uh, all-time great. And then the national championship game, LSU drilled Iowa. And that was a surprise to a lot of people. But then at the end of the game, Angel Reese, who is LSU's outstanding, uh, she's probably their best player. She was uh, you know, doing the hand wave in the face to Caitlin Clark. She was tapping on her ring finger. She was talking a lot of smack. And uh, some people loved it. Some people hated it. And we've been talking about women's basketball ever since. What do you, what do you think of all, all the way that this all played out? Well, I shouldn't still be thinking about it this late in the week. You know, I feel yeah, we bad. absolutely should, though. I, this, I, and we're, this is a spoiler alert coming up with Carolyn, but we talked about exactly this. It's an unbelievably rich conversation because there's so many dynamics to it. And that's what I'm going to get into here. But, like, the, the action itself, Angel Reese trash-talking or whatever she said or gestured to Caitlin Clark at the end of the game, I just don't think it's that big of a deal on the court. But the reason I am still thinking about it is because, like you said, it just ties into so many other different flashpoints. It absolutely does. There's conversations to be had about the rise of women's basketball, equity in sports, race in America, how we market athletes, especially women's athletes, and especially college women's athletes, what young ladies look like and how that influences the way that the, the general population talks and thinks about them. It's, it's, it's endlessly fascinating. So I've still been thinking about it now, whatever, four or five days later. And I started to say this on Monday. I tried to get to this point on Monday. But obviously race is a big part of this. Yes. For those that don't know, Caitlin Clark and almost all of Iowa's uh, organization, not just roster, is is white. And most of LSU's roster is black. Yes. Okay. And... That became a big flashpoint in the aftermath of this because, of course, Caitlin Clark had celebrated that way against teams that they had beaten earlier in the tournament and didn't get the pushback that Angel Reese did. But the race thing is so huge here, and I think it really does start with South Carolina, which I know I said on Monday. Yeah. But I think it's difficult for people like us mm-hmm. to understand how important of a symbol that South Carolina team yes. was to... Black women. No question. Black, black women in particular. Don Staley is one of the foremost 
uh, advocates for. Uh, I I I would say I should say she's one of the foremost icons in in African American female culture in in America, right? I mean, she was one of the all-time greatest players in the history of of women's basketball, the point guard on the United States national team in multiple Olympics, and then has been an analyst at a top level and now is arguably the greatest coach in in college basketball, right? Yeah, and for as many, and, and she really represented a sea change when she took that job at South Carolina and turned them into a huge power because for as many black women's college basketball stars there have been, who do you associate them with? Always their head coaches, who was always white. I mean, Maya Moore at UConn, Gino Ariema, somebody like Arike Ogumbawale at Notre Dame, that was when Muffet McGraw was still there. Shamika Holzkar and Tamika Ketchings at Tennessee at Pat Summit is the head coach, yep. So when Dawn Staley took that team and made South Carolina into not only a very, very good team, the preeminent power in the sport, but also one that won with a black head coach and a majority black roster and also wasn't afraid to celebrate that. Play with and be flamboyant. No question. And uh, embrace their blackness. That team. A personification of black culture, for sure. That's right. Yep. And then when that team gets knocked out by a team of almost all white players in the semifinal and they lost to, man, Dawn Staley's South Carolina teams play with a ton of swagger and a ton of killer instinct. So tough. And that is a huge part of who they are. Yes. And then in the semifinals, they lose to a player with even more swagger and even more killer instinct who just happens to be white. I think that was a big turning point going into this game, and you could see, I think the LSU girls took that very seriously. I think so, too. That's the part. So the way that these conversations um, explode and, and spread, and, and again, I have taken the stance in terms of this broad conversation that while there are some controversial elements, anytime you're anytime you're talking about race in America, there's going to be a certain element of delicacy and controversy that goes along with it. But I have taken the stance that all of this conversation is objectively a good thing because we are talking about the way that we consume and promote and conversate about a variety of different groups that have been suppressed and the crossover between black culture and the women element of this and the the fact that women's basketball has taken so long to have the tipping point to become nationally relevant, all of it I think is a good thing that we're talking about this. So I'm happy that we're talking about this. But sometimes the way these conversations spread, they leave out certain elements of it. For those that didn't watch the entire entire Final Four, there were moments in the Iowa-South Carolina game where – Caitlin Clark was like waving off that she doesn't need to go out and guard. She was doing some things that some could consider as unsportsmanlike or disrespectful. That was the impetus, and, and co- at least according to Angel Reese, sort of the ignition for why she then was so outwardly uh, in your face to Caitlin Clark in Iowa. And she said that. She said, I'm representing for my conference. I'm representing for our SEC girls. They disrespected a team that I have a ton of respect for. You disrespect my people. I'm going to disrespect you. That's exactly right. And I think we're still seeing it in the aftermath of the game as well. Angel Reese has been 
defending herself very vehemently. Uh, you know, she, there was the kerfuffle with the the Bidens inviting both teams to the White House, sure. and Angel Reese was very against that and right. said, "We'll go see the Obamas instead. We don't want to go <laughs> to the White House." Even after you know the White House had walked back that invitation to Iowa, I just think it it was a very it was a game that carried. More than the usual, meaning even yes. just beyond being a national championship yep. game for the LSU players because of Iowa beating South Carolina in the national semifinal. And those are the emotions that came out at the end of the game. I'm listening to this phenomenal podcast called Blackballed, and it's a rigor podcast property. And I had no idea about any of the stuff that I've learned about through this podcast until I started living, listening to this podcast. As somebody that loves top 10 and top 100 lists and loves countdowns and also loves history, throughout the years I've always seen the name Marion Motley on various top 100 NFL players of all time. And I knew about Marion Motley as this bruising fullback who played uh, in the the um, sort of formative early years of the NFL. I also knew he was an African-American, but I didn't know that Barry Motley was a pioneer of sorts. When the NFL, or I guess when professional football in America first began, this is before the NFL, but when there was professional football organizations, there was no desegregation process because black men were were playing initially. When, the, when pro football sort of was created, for lack of a better way of saying it, in America... Black men were playing it. But then, when the Depression hit, basically the first guys to get squeezed out of the NFL were the African-American guys. And so then there was 14 years of the, of the NFL that didn't have uh, any, any blacks in the league. So then there's these four men who then desegregated the league, even though the league hadn't been founded as a segregated league. And uh, it's just been so fascinating to learn about them. Th- then this podcast goes on to talk about various cases throughout NFL history where there's been a pretty, pretty known blackballing of black athletes. I, I say all of this because I was thinking about how this podcast sort of relates to the situation with Colin Kaepernick. And I don't want to go all the way down that rabbit hole right now. We've talked about that on this show a ton. But Colin Kaepernick... Uh, for whatever you think of the situation or or whatever, there's a pretty c- consensus understanding that the owners in the NFL got together and said, we're not going to give this guy another opportunity. I was thinking about that scenario, though, with this scenario at LSU and with Angel Reese. Angel Reese is not protesting anything, any sort of symbol of America, but she is certainly unabashedly being horse herself and promoting the cultural background that she comes from. If she was a professional athlete, she would have a much higher chance of getting canceled or losing endorsement deals or things like some of these prominent black athletes have gone through. I wonder how this evolves then, though, because because she's in college and she's playing for a great coach like Kim Mulkey and they just won the national championship, she does have a little bit of autonomy that protects her from people coming in and I guess what I'm saying is she can't get blackballed from LSU. She's the face of LSU. They're going to keep her. They're going to run it back. She's going to be a star in the, in the NCAA for at least a couple more years. Who knows what happens after that? I hope this does nothing but 
improve her chances to play as basketball as long as she wants. But I do think there's an interesting dynamic there because she's an NCAA athlete. She is a little bit insulated. Well, if LSU is smart, they will market around that now for the next two years. Uh, no question. I mean, if you if, if now the NIL is a, a, a deal, uh, you can do it. If I'm a shoe company, I'm going and giving this girl a shoe deal right now. Sure. For, for better or worse, like there is so much uh, personality and so much exposure. She, she is obviously very sure of herself, incredibly confident, charismatic, and willing to stand up for what she believes in. And I think that that's a very impressive thing, especially since she's only a sophomore. Definitely. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say on that? I got one more point here. Right, go ahead. Last thing is that I was thinking about this driving home the other day. I was listening, of course, to ESPN Radio. There's a commercial, a promo, whatever, for the upcoming WNBA draft. Yes. And it just got me thinking, women's sports in this country have long been packaged and sold as not as sports, as competition, but as, like, steps on the road of societal progress. Such a great way of putting it. You cannot get... The way that they are, the narratives work in women's sports is that every triumph also fits into a larger narrative about uh, equality, about reaching equality in women's sports. That is the national championship game. As opposed to that, it does not fit nicely into that easy narrative. It was just sports. It was just messy and competitive. And I don't think that there is a lot of place for a narrative like that in people's minds about women's sports because of what we have been sold for so long, right? And I think that also kind of goes back to the South Carolina game a little bit because the other thing that we're the the narrative that we're sold in women's sports and often in women's college basketball is these dominant champions that are sort of destined yes. to make this run and uh, Iowa upset that and that just sort of threw it off in people's minds a little bit and they weren't sure how to absorb what happened in the championship game. It, it's such a great point and uh I appreciate all of your sentiments because it is, it is so true. And I'm I, not saying that that's bad. I think no, that no, for sure. We do need to celebrate the achievements of women's athletes with the for context sure. that they are still working for societal equality. I I completely agree. Here's to me the tipping point that has occurred in women's basketball, and I'm not just talking college women's basketball. I'm talking about women's basketball across the board. And I do think there's some specific reasons why the WNBA still isn't getting those, you know, 10 million plus viewers while women's college basketball is. I do think there's some specific reasons there, and I think those are actually more worth talking about than maybe we we give credence to it. But I do think that there's been a tipping point in women's college basketball and women's high school basketball because the game has improved so much, but it's also defined itself as a different game than the men play. It's different in in its rules from the quarters to the fouls to advancing the ball at a timeout. Those all all those things are different, but it's also different in styles. In, stylistically, it's different in um, the way that teams operate. And I think that that, t- that has caused the tipping point to 
enforce exactly what you're saying. People are no longer saying, oh, I'm going to watch this girls' basketball game. They're going to say, I'm watching this national championship basketball game. That's it. And I think that so many of the pioneers of the game, but also so many of the current players right now, they deserve so much more credit for that. I mean, it's like the Kate Fagan article in Sports Illustrated this last summer. There's this, There was this weird notion like, oh, man, I watch girls play basketball, but like me and my buddies could beat those girls. Like that was the common notion forever. Now, if you're watching Caitlin Clark versus Angel Reese, you're tripping if you think you and your five friends could go beat those girls. Those girls are going to smoke you. And I think that part, that it emphasizes, it, is we're not talking about girls basketball anymore. We're just talking about a high level of a great sport. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think that this tournament, was really the one that more than any other that I've seen has sort of advanced what you're talking about, where it's just people being able to consider uh, the competition and the games and the athletes by themselves without worrying about where it fit into some larger narrative. But I think, I just think that so many people are still stuck on the larger narrative that they're used to about women's sports. Yeah. And this game and what happened at the end of this game didn't really fit into that. It, yeah. So we have, a, we have a scenario that, like, wouldn't have happened if not for that and if also for, for all the racial issues that we talked about. And I think that's why it's so fascinating. I think that's probably why I'm still thinking about it five days later, even though, like I said, I don't think anything that happened was, was that big of a deal. More on this in our number two with our good friend Carolyn and more on this tomorrow with our great friend Rajim Seabrook as well. Track and field season is underway. We've had a couple meets in Montana as cold and blustery as they have been. The renewal of one of our favorite segments around here. It's our Treasure State's Best where we highlight some of the best marks from high school track and field thanks to our great friends down at Paul's Pancake Parlor. We'll do that next Keep it right here. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. This is Nuana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Well, Dire Straits for you. Crazy that that album's almost 50 years old now. Wild. Eh, I'm like, more like 45, but still. It's nuts. Welcome back. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hope we have a great Thursday. It is spring uh, on the calendar, and uh, the sun is shining here in western Montana, so maybe we'll get some warmer temperatures soon. I think it's above 50 degrees for the first time in like six and a half months right now. Maybe even longer than that. It's been a long winter. But track season is rolling now, and uh, so here for the next eight or so weeks, we will have updates for you on the best track and field marks from around the high school ranks as part of our Treasure State's Best Track and Field update weekly presented by Paul's Pancake Parlor. Paul's Pancake Parlor, located there in the Trimpers Shopping Center. If you have never been there, first of all, I don't even know how you can possibly live in Missoula and have not gone there. If you live in Missoula and you have not gone there, you need to go to Paul's. Even if they have a long wait, it's not going to be that long because it's like a well-oiled machine in there. They turn the tables so quick, and uh, their breakfast is so qu- uh, so fast. The service staff is amazing, and uh, they just have some of the best eats uh, anywhere uh, in the Garden City. So go check out Paul's Pancake Parlor, an iconic Missoula 
uh, establishment, great place to gather for. They don't just have breakfast; they have a whole great menu. But their breakfast is just you know lights out. So if you uh, haven't been, please go. And uh, if you have been, now that I'm talking about it, you're definitely thinking about going right now. I know you are. Here's some of the best marks that we've seen so far uh, here uh, from around the state of Montana. Owen Hogue off to a great start uh, up there at Sealy Swan. He has the best 100-meter time in the state, 11.2 seconds, and the best 200-meter time in the state at 22.73 seconds. His 200-meter time is the best time by almost a full second. So uh, impressive start for him. Those times are awesome no matter where you're at. But in Class C, if he keeps running those times, he's going to absolutely be the favorite uh, in those two events. Another interesting name in the 100-meter top 10 right now is Hunter uh, Hudson, excuse me, Hudson Lemke, who uh, from Missoula Sentinel, who's a guy that uh, was made made some real noise last year and uh, then ended up peaking by winning the 100 meters at the Class AA last year. So uh, we will certainly keep an eye on him. Owen Hogue also has the top 400-meter time in the state at 52.42 seconds. It is early season, and uh, because it's been such a long winter, I know a lot of these distance kids, their training blocks are probably a little bit delayed, so they're far off from what would be considered a truly elite time. Uh, But that's the best part about watching Montana track and field is that right now, here as we sit in mid-April, these times are going to improve so much by the time we get down to the, uh, the state track and field championships so uh one really great mark though no matter what time of year it is came from weston brown of bozeman he's one of the uh top distance runners in the state and he ran four minutes 21.5 seconds in the 1600 meters so that's only about nine seconds off the state record right out the gates uh so that's a really impressive time anything under 425 really good here early on Phineas Colescott of Missoula Hellgate, he also uh, has a really good early time, uh, 428 right now and some change. And Nathan Neal of Bozeman, he's also uh, in that minus four and a half minute range, 422.28 seconds. So that's uh, pretty darn good, pretty good start to uh, the season. Corbin Weltzian of Missoula Hellgate, the only uh, young man so far to break 15 seconds. Uh, in the 110 hurdles. And uh, probably the other top mark so far early on, uh, I guess the top uh, competitor so far early on, is Andrew Burrows of Hamilton. He's got this top shot put mark in the state at 56 feet, one and a half inches, and the top discus mark in the state at 165 feet and four inches. So um, impressive across the board there, too, uh, from the uh, the Hamilton product. In On the girls' side, Claire Hutchison of Stevensville, Top time in the 100 and the 200 so far, 13.08 in the 100 and 26.96 in the 200. Other marks that caught my eye, Claire Rutherford, the reigning uh, cross-country Gatorade runner of the year out of Bozeman Gallatin, she has the top mile time at 5 minutes, 21.6 seconds. That is um, 10-plus seconds clear of the best time in the state. So she has... A, uh, a stronghold on that one for sure. Other top marks so far uh, in the state in girls track and field. Emma Brinsdale of Plentywood, a uh, top javelin throw in the state of almost 115 feet. So that's a pretty good mark here uh, early on. Audrey Sampson of Plentywood, a high jump of five foot four, which is a very good jump 
uh, here early on. And then Emily Mon of, C- of Sealy Swan, she's one to watch as well. Had a great year last year, and she has the top long jump in the state at 16 feet, 10 and a half inches, and also has one of the top uh, triple jumps in the state as well. So we'll keep highlighting the local athletes and giving you the top marks uh, from around the wide world of track and field. Thanks to our friends down there at Paul's Pancake Parlor located in the Trippers Center. Uh, go check out Paul's Pancake Parlor for some of the best breakfast you'll find anywhere in Missoula. Our one in the books, our two coming at you. Aaron Rodgers is on a hunt for crystals, plus a continuation of our conversation about women's basketball and the state of society. Our good friend Carol, the chick does no sports, swings by for hour number two. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 